the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. It is Wednesday the 12th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit our new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at SuttonAndJanelle.com. I'm Jordan Icewarner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. Marsha, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, Jordan? Good. How are you? <clears throat> Still a little stuffy. <laughs> I can hear that. Well, I'm just glad I finally found my one of my beanies uh, the other day, so I can finally I have like a warm head. You were wearing ball caps, like exactly. They couldn't find of... it. Couldn't find it at all. If I had to do so much laundry. Well, you lost so the much. one tragically at the semifinals for the <sighs> NCAA football Division Two. Where do you think that's at at this point? The you know mis- where the, the Grand mighty River? Mississippi. I don't know where the Grand River dumps into. Does it dump into one of the lakes? It has to. Dump it. It's probably stuck on a tree somewhere. It's tr- probably on a tree limb. What lake is the one to the left of Michigan? I, what, is that Lake Michigan? Or is Lake Michigan the top one? Your map has insufficient information uh, well, to I, answer might, this I question. I think it's in whatever lake is to the left of Michigan, which I believe is Lake Michigan. I'm not 100% sure. Yes, it is Lake Michigan. <laughs> right, so it was it's probably in, in Lake small, Michigan. small, blue, faint print, but it was there. Yeah, so it's probably in Lake Michigan. But so, thankfully, I found the other ones. Now I have like a warm head finally for the first time in like three days. I hope a, a little bird has your gray hoodie or gray um, beanie. <laughs> upended in a tree mm-hmm. limb and is making a really well-insulated nest out of it. But how nice would that be? I Let's just imagine that that is what has happened to your favorite beanie. That would be nice. A little be bird, nice. little generation of birds, baby birds. Yeah. Well, you missed a uh, pretty big show yesterday, Marsha, because we were talking about all about the special session uh, that was starting up yesterday and then the uh, normal session that is today. But that kind of got a little bit derailed. Uh, after some news of the governor that the governor brought out last night or early this morning. Our governor has COVID-19. I know. Can you believe it? Fully vaxxed, fully boosted. um, And his his folks, I thought it was interesting. His folks said that it's a moderate case. He's experiencing moderate symptoms. Justice said in a statement he's feeling, quote, extremely unwell at this point, Hmm. end quote. So what does does that mean? No idea. Who do you believe? I guess you got to believe the governor, right? Well, yeah, he's the one experiencing it. Right. He will receive monoclonal antibody treatment because of his age. Well, good. Well, good. Well, hopefully that helps him out. So, Because I was yeah. looking forward to hearing uh, what he had to say about this big economic development thing that's coming out So today. he was supposed to make that announcement today. He was supposed to do the State of the State address this evening, which is pri- it's the traditional kickoff to the regular session. Mm-hmm. But um, the the buzz is that it's going to be a steel company possibly new core in Mason County, a thousand construction jobs, uh, potentially, and then 800 permanent jobs. Wow. Well, that's, so that is a pretty big deal. That's, that's, that's a, a big enough deal that you bring in your, 
your um, you know, legislators a, a few days early. Yeah. And, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk about this on Friday morning. Eric Householder will be on with us. I think he's going to be on with Hoppy this mm-hmm. morning as well. So, um, but we'll get more of a, a panhandle uh, view on it as well. You know, it's, it's great. We, we have a lot of great economic announcements here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every year. It's great to hear some of those um, announcements coming to places like Mason County. Oh, yeah, where they've lost a ton of jobs that were all like jobs like steel jobs and coal mm-hmm. jobs and things like that. And they've all gone over the past, you know, however many years. It is nice to see uh, that kind of uh, influx going back down into that part of the state couple of programming notes. Um, tomorrow on the program, uh, we'll have guests from Shepherd University, including Dr. Shakito Howard Bostic, uh, on to talk about the, uh, the homage exhibit, uh, which uh, opens the door to the African-American experience in the U.S. from the time of slavery to the election of Barack Obama. Highlights of the collection include slave transport collars, slave mm. bills of sale, legal papers documenting the horrors of the slave trade and some original documents um, related to Booker T. Washington, Frederick Douglass, who's a a local name as well. Um, So uh, tune in for that tomorrow. Also, they're doing a service project through Shepherd University. Uh, I think they're still uh, accepting donations for that, maybe through today, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, blankets and things like that. And, um, and then the Martin Luther King Jr. events in West Virginia will be virtual again this year. Yeah. The Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs has announced the statewide ecumenical service uh, will be virtual. You can find it online at the HOMA web, uh, Facebook page at 9.30 a.m. Uh, the theme this year is it starts with me shifting priorities to create the, the beloved community. Wow. So a lot of stuff going on. That... Uh homage exhibit sounds very powerful yeah my goodness to see some of that stuff in the person, artifacts wow yeah. wouldn't that, that just be, give you chills yes it gives me chills just thinking about it just even seeing the words and thinking that they're you know you'd be able to see them right in front of you like that crazy. my sister was telling me about um a building a home i guess uh down home where we are or where i'm from that I guess the building had gotten um, condemned when they put the dam through, mm-hmm. and and a, a bunch of a bunch of towns and um, or buildings went underwater. But anyway, the folks went to visit this particular building, and in the in the basement of it, you could still see shackles. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is just, you know, just puts it right there. Mm-hmm. So when uh, I was a kid, <clears throat> me and my buddies used to mess around and play around in uh, his granddad's old house, which he had passed away. So it was just kind of there next door to his parents' house, right? So like he'd have sleepovers. We'd all just hang out there anyways. And uh, at one time he t- was taking us around his house, big old house. And uh, you go down in the basement and there was a secret little area, which was for the Underground Railroad. Back wow. Man. So you were playing around I know, crazy, history. Right? Had no idea. Had no idea until we were old enough to understand like, the, what what, that's we, what, that what was. it was and what like we were seeing, but yeah, crazy, unreal, unreal. But uh, yeah, so if you missed any of that, uh, I'm sure that'll be up on our uh, website over at the Panhandle News Network and things like that. And you can, of course, always listen back to any episode of Panhandle Live over on our uh, Panhandle Live Facebook and Spotify pages. But coming up after the break, uh, we got to keep talking about Tyson Bajan because now he is on the move since he's uh, got into the transfer portal. He's uh, checking out different schools, and he was up in Morgantown last night, and I think. He's going to be down in College Park today. So we'll be talking about that here in a minute on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. 
It's Panhandle Live, the voice of the Panhandle. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit Sutton and Janelle's new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. And you can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Icewinner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. And you know, Marsha, slowly but surely, here over these last almost a year, over this last almost year now, I'm getting you to be a sports person. Slowly, slowly but surely. I'm and I don't know aware. if you know it yet, but you sound more and more like a sports person every day. Every day I talk to you. Every single day. I'm not fooling anyone. It's like on, uh, I keep seeing this TikTok trend. It's called, it's like, it says like guy talk or something like that. Uh-huh. And uh, it's it's this, a girl, I guess it's one of the guy's girlfriends or whatever, right? And it's uh, just her sitting there like with the, all the guys watching football on like a Sunday and uh, you look on her phone and she's got this list of just like sentences, phrases to say <laughs> to sound like she knows, you knows like w- what's going on. So uh, it'll just be her sitting there and everybody sitting there watching the game. And she'll be like, uh, man, you know, number 15, he's really uh, been running hard today. Something like that. And then mm-hmm. you hear the guys go, yeah. And they'll have the conversation and you'll see him kind of look at her like, uh-huh. why'd you say that? Right. Like, why do you know about that type right. of thing? So you're getting there. Slowly but surely. Run down the field and the court. Get those baskets in. Hey, it's all right, because I've uh, done plenty of basketball. Well, even recently, I've done plenty of basketball games where I've said field instead of court. Right. Yeah. So So, um, Tyson Bajan. He's on the move. Well, not, I mean, not officially, just physically on the move. He's in the portal. He's got options, and it sounds as though uh, colleges are starting to court him. Yeah, so uh, on Twitter and Facebook, all over the place, started popping up last night during the West Virginia basketball game. That old Tyson Bajit was in attendance at the Coliseum, which that only means one thing, especially when the picture is him courtside with the head coach of the Mountaineers football That he probably team. didn't have to pay for his basketball <laughs> ticket. Yeah, I think he got it there for free. Uh-huh. Definitely think he got it there for free. But so uh, what, do you, what do you read into trip, that? Um, I don't know, because every time I see you know his name and West Virginia, or especially when I see that, the only thing that keeps running in my mind is the one uh, interview he did towards the end of this past season where somebody asked him about West Virginia, and he said, you know, they gave me a chance, but you know, I think I'd rather be here when he was talking about Shepard. So I don't know, but hey, Big 12 – you're going to be playing Texas and, you know, division those one. big teams, Division One, West Virginia. It'd be tough to pass up. But then, you know, I keep seeing all these articles come out about all these uh, young quarterbacks that West Virginia has that people are super, you know, high on and everything. But I don't know. Who knows? So it's then, exciting. I mean, if he went to WVU, would he automatically get the top spot? See, that's, that's where I – so my thinking is the only reason he should transfer anywhere is if he's going to immediately start. Mm-hmm. Because what's the point? Right. Just because stay at he's, he's a big fish in a small pond right. in a D2 school where they went to the semifinals and he's the Harlan Hill Award mm-hmm. winner. You know, if he if he goes in and he's like the fourth in rotation right. behind these the other point? more established people in the program. Other than saying you played, you know, in a big at a big mm-hmm. score at a big game or in a bowl or something like that, then in my opinion, what's the point of going if you're not gonna start immediately? But he's in his senior year too. Exactly. It's not like a bunch of do-overs. Exactly. But uh, underneath of um, 
Well, not underneath. Uh, alongside of him being at uh, West Virginia yesterday, apparently he's going to be at the University of Maryland today. Checking wow. things out. So uh, I think he would work. And i got to look, and I'm doing that right now. Um, I think he'd be a pretty good fit at Maryland. They just had a big bowl win this year. But Tua Tungavailoa, his younger brother, uh, is the quarterback for the Terps. And I can't remember what year he is. So it may be Tualia, hard to... Tualia Tungavailoa is his name. How great of a name is that, by the way? Hard to pronounce. Very. Can you imagine yeah. spelling that as a kid? Right. No chance. Yeah, no chance. Your standardized test. Uh, so he's a, so a he's a redshirt sophomore. He had a pretty good uh, had a pretty good year last year. So I don't know if Maryland be the fit either. And I'm only saying that because I mean I think he'd do great. I think Tyson would do great at anywhere. You mm-hmm. know, doesn't matter where he's at. But I just would like him to be playing wherever he goes. And these coaches have probably made promises to their other recruits yeah, as well. Of course, you know, so so the guy who's playing quarterback, that redshirt sophomore, you said, yeah, you know. It, maybe the coaches said, "Yeah, you're, you know, you're next in line, or mm-hmm. you're the, you know, you'll be our primary in the in the fall." And if he has made those promises to another player, right? Then, you know, it's it's what you said that you know, if he's just waiting in line to play, waiting for someone to get injured, or waiting for his turn in in the rotation, mm-hmm. is that going to be a very fulfilling? Senior year when he very well could br- be bringing Shepard back to a playoff. Exactly, exactly. In the fall. And so. I don't want him to go anywhere because mm-hmm. I selfishly want to watch him in person play all again next year, one more year. I want him to do what's <laughs> best for him. So you do know, I. So part, do I. Part of me wonders, and of course, you know, there's that whole being around your family is kind of cool. Yeah. That, you know, Shepard, he was close. I think to, his dad went there. His mm-hmm. granddad went. I think his mom went there too. But Shepard, if he goes over to the Terps. You know how far is that? What forty-five? Well, what an hour? So that's that's pretty well, close. Even in Morgantown, two and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And and where was Jay? The, I think he could. Bama? Play, I could how think he could do Bama? well. <laughs> that's a hike. That's like sixteen, I think. But like JMU places like that. But is JMU Division One? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Division One, Double A or FCS, whatever that. The, whatever the next. It, they are Division One, but they're not like Maryland West Once Virginia removed. Division One. Yeah, they're not Power Five or whatever they call it. Um, but yeah, very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. And uh, like I said, selfishly, I'd want him to stay so uh, he can, like you said, Marsha, hopefully bring you know another trophy, whatever it may be, to uh, Shepherdstown, and you know have another good season. But it'd be also pretty cool to say, you know, that guy played on TV. He played at Shepherd last year. Well, he can also say, even if he doesn't commit to anywhere else, he can say, look. Finally, I was courted by mm-hmm. exactly X X X Y Z. That is, I didn't think of that. Think of it that way, because now he's finally getting that attention They're from West Virginia mm-hmm. that he deserved when he was coming out of high school, uh, and that he didn't get that. So yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. See what I'm saying? You should be on ESPN. You should, we should, you should do some ESPN radio podcast. Once again, I'm not fooling anyone. <laughs> So. We got to we got to get you and uh, we'll get you and Parker Stone on a uh, Panhandle Sports podcast. And just r- watch the listeners dro- <laughs> drop off whenever I try to insert anything into. So, um, speaking of what's going on locally with our broadcasts for um, college and high school. So uh, for today, right here on WPM and WCST at five thirty uh, is the Shepherds women's uh, game against Bloomsburg. Uh, Shepherd ten and one on the year, twenty fourth in the nation. That is uh, so really, cool. I know they're so good. So uh, I'm looking forward 
to uh, doing that game today. We will uh, have our pregame show starting around 5.15. Uh, Tip-off is at 5.30, and you definitely want to keep an ear out or an eye out. And uh, you can still come to the games. No, nothing's been shut down uh, as of that. you got to wear a mask inside the Butcher Center, but I think everybody's kind of used to that kind of stuff nowadays. Uh, so come on out. Tip-off's at 5.30. But Abby Beeman, uh, she has had she has been having a unbelievable season, averaging, uh, let's see, I just lost it, averaging... Where'd they go, Marsha? Oh, hey. here. Now I got it. No, it's gone again. Oh, here we go. Averaging 19 points a game. Man, our wow. internet is dodgy in here sometimes. Uh, Marley McLaughlin, 18 points a game. Clayton, Sydney Clayton, 17 points a game. I mean, these girls play great, great basketball. And uh, you'll be able to hear it right here on WPM and WCST uh, tonight at 5.15. Tip-off is at 5.30. And we did have a Berkeley Springs game last night over on 92.9 WXDC. Is that against Hampshire? It was against Hampshire. And unfortunately, when went so five, was it five points? Yes. Five point loss? Yeah, it, uh, it came down to the wire, but Berkeley Springs, uh, unfortunately, did not hit their free throws. I think they only made like uh, three or four of them out like total, mm. uh, which if that happens, it's going to be tough to win a ball game. Especially uh, when you're at home, but they had a couple of half or uh, like long buzzer beaters at the end. I think of the first quarter, and then going into halftime. So, so it was, was exciting. exciting. Yeah, absolutely, it was an exciting game. And you can catch uh, Berkeley Springs basketball and football over on 92.9 WXDC. And of course, don't forget uh, we'll have Shepherd's women's basketball right here on WPM and WCST. Uh, pre-game show at 5:15 and tip-off is at 5:30. So all kinds of sports. All so kinds of sports. more sports. Someone that isn't involved in sports tipped me off to this, that the NCAA has released updated guidelines for winter sports. And part of that involves, and it's from um, based on new CDC guidance, okay? Mm-hmm. And basically, um, the, the drill down is that um, someone who has uh, taken their Johnson & Johnson vaccine or the Pfizer or Moderna uh, within... Uh, a few designated months are considered fully vaccinated, but also a person, I guess this would be an athlete Mm. who has had a documented COVID-19 infection in the past 90 days is considered the equivalent of quote, fully vaccinated end quote. Now I don't understand that wording. So if they've been infected, Mm -hmm. then they test negative, then that counts as being vaccinated if they're if they've had a documented COVID-19 infection mm-hmm. if if they I guess if they had a positive COVID-19 test I guess that doesn't a documented sense. so probably like your home test wouldn't cut it but yeah. if you had gone through your doctor's office or your your trainer had had conducted a test or you know it was a very you know specific test through a, a verified vendor um I, that's what I'm guessing. A documented COVID-19 infection in the last in the past 90 days is now considered the equivalent of quote fully vaccinated end quote. Hmm. It's the 2022 winter training and competition document from the NCAA. If you want to read it for yourself, huh? Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But the NCAA is great at putting out stuff that doesn't make any sense to anyone. COVID-19 management considerations suggest five days of quarantine after a positive test with isolation ending after five days if there are no symptoms, uh, masking around others. Uh, So it sounds as though it it sounds as though they're saying this allows some of the folks who were hesitant to get 
uh, vaccine because they had they'd had mm-hmm. COVID nineteen. This gives them a loophole, it also, like a workaround. It also sounds like the NCAA is tired of having games postponed. In right. My well, I mean, all of this is face. You know, mm-hmm. with Omicron coming in mm-hmm. and there being so many more positive cases, some of them mild. You know, right. obviously there are still people in the hospital. Obviously there are still people on ventilators. Yes. But there's such a saturation of positive cases. You see the CDC short- shortening its uh, guidelines for isolation and all that. Um, it, it, this seems to be the trend. Huh. Very strange. Very strange stuff. But unfortunately, Marsha, we have to cut this sports segment short. Oh, it was because enjoy- we get so robust. <laughs> Let's stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit our new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Nicewarner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. And joining us via phone, uh, hopefully I'll get everyone's name right, from Berkeley County Schools Office of Child Nutrition and Wellness, do we have Jennifer Miller and Christy Randall? Yes. Good morning. That's correct. Good morning. Good morning. You, might, you might need to just identify yourselves whenever you're uh, answering a question, but um, hopefully things are going well. It's not quite as disjointed as it was last year or uh, in the wake of the pandemic with supply issues. But tell the listener how things are going as far as uh, providing healthy meals and, and good nutritious uh, options for kids these days. Okay. Glad to. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, we are um, offering breakfast and lunch daily at our school, and we are trying to return to a, a normalcy. Yeah, so I'm sure that's um, been the toughest part of it. Yes, yes. Um, we are, you know, doing our menus. Um, we, we are struggling with um, getting product in, but we are finding products that we're able to bring in that follow our menus so that we're not having to do last-minute changes. But on occasion, that does happen. Um, but for the most part, we are able to, whatever we have posted as our menu for that day, we are able to get those products in and have them. Um, it just may be, you know, some tweaking um, on some ends with some things that we can't get in at the last minute. So the supply chain issues they've cut, they've affected you guys pretty tough too. Yes, yes. Um, supply chain uh, with food as well as supplies, um, with items to for wrapping with our sandwiches, getting foil or paper goods, um, equipment. When we have equipment issues, it's getting parts in. Um, so we do have some issues with that too. So we're working through them, but supply chain issues, yes, it's, it's hit us as well. You know, I I know I interviewed folks from the uh, nutrition department in in 2020. Uh, you know, put to to take it all back to to when school first started going virtual uh, in March of 2020, and one of the issues was that. Everyone needed to have those uh, prepackaged individual servings of things because no one uh, trusted, you know, just a a big, you know, buffet style meals anymore. And it was so hard to get um, those items because you were in competition with so many other providers who were trying to do the exact same thing. So many meals had to go out the door 
curbside, even up to, uh, you know, as recent as, as a year ago. So how do we stand now as far as readiness should things have to go virtual again? Well, this is Jennifer. I'm, I'm the dietitian here. Well, we've been lucky since the start of this year that we have been in person um, and we're luckily able to feed the kids kind of how it, how it used to be, um, not having to do curbside pickup meals and, you know, doing hot meals uh, for lunch every day. So we've been very lucky so far. Um, now, with the surge lately, we've been uh, working on trying to get some products in um, to keep on hand in case we do get to that point again. Um, there's no word on that yet, but uh, it's in the back of our minds and we have, you know, kind of a plan B and, and we're trying to create um, a little bit of a, a stockpile of some items in case we have to go back to that. But Hopefully, we'll continue as is and continue to serve the kids um, in a traditional way. Smart to plan ahead, of course. Our guests this morning from the Berkeley County Office of Child Nutrition and Wellness, Jennifer Miller and Christy Randall, can you take us inside the cafeteria of a typical elementary school in Berkeley County? How are the kids seated or are they still eating in their classrooms? Are they wearing masks up until the time that they, that they eat? How does all that look right now? Okay. This is this is Jennifer. Um, it's it's a little different than in the past, but it's um, the students come in. They are wearing their masks, of course, all all day. They do come in. They try to uh, social distance them as much as they can when they come through the line. There are partitions set up, um, plexiglass partitions between the students and the cafeteria uh, workers. Uh, but, the, you know, everyone can still see each other, and they're going through the line and getting their, their food items on their tray, just like the old days. <laughs> and in the actual uh, cafeterias, each school might be a little different. They've had to, in many schools, increase the number of lunches that they have so that there's less children in the room at one time. And the students, uh, depending again on the on the school, um, may only be sitting on one side of the lunch table and further apart than they normally would. Um, some schools, like I said, they have um, more lunches set out, so they're they're spread apart more, but they're not in there in the traditional way where many students are sitting face to face at one lunch table like they they used to yeah. at, at this point. And then when they eat, they do take their masks off, obviously. And then they're, um, you know, when they're finished, they, they put them back on. And, mm -hmm. and so far, it's, you know, it's been nice to get the kids out of the classroom, back down to the cafeterias and being able to see their friends and hang out and talk and kind of have a little bit of a, a you know, break from from the day in back to a, a regular lunchtime. So uh -huh. we're going to try to continue that again as long as we as we possibly can. I know you guys, you know, did did yeoman's work, uh, mm -hmm. getting all, getting all those uh, prepackaged meals and and actually a hot entree uh, last year when all of this stuff was virtual and the kids were getting meals 
curbside sometimes for the entire week. What has it meant to you guys as cafeteria workers and for the students in the schools to be able to meet and have lunch again together? Well, I think that's um, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes us glad that things are kind of returning back to how they used to be, where they can come down to the cafeteria, they can see the, the staff that prepare their meals um, and talk to them, um, and they can kind of put a, you know, a face with, you know, who's preparing their food and handing it to them rather than in the past, last year, you know, and the year before we had to kind of do it in the classroom. So now they're in the cafeteria um, trying to follow that old routine where they come through, get their meal, they can visit with their classmates and and eat in the traditional setting Um, and and kind of be out of, get a break from the classroom and be in Mm -hmm. the cafeteria to enjoy their meal, relax a little bit um, and, you know, just enjoy what's been prepared for them. Throwing it way back to the old days of early 2020. Exactly. Uh Exactly. But I think another thing, too, that uh, I guess kind of popped into my brain when the pandemic really started to hit and really started to hit schools hard was how not only important lunch was just as a break and, you know, to get away from the classroom and things like that, but just how important it was for some students just to get that meal in general. And then once they weren't able to be in school and, you know, have that normal breakfast and that normal lunch, how important y'all's role was to get that, those meals and that food, and especially like a hot entree to those kids and to those families. Yes, 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 definitely. And um, luckily now this year we've um, created some different menus, uh, some things that we used to have, but also some new things. Last year, obviously, was a crazy year. We had a limited um, supply of, of different items, and um, like you had said, many things had to be prepackaged. So now this year, we can do some actual um, meals and, and some home-cooked soups and, and things like that. So I think that's good for the kids to uh, get back to eating those types of, of foods as well. So our guests this morning are from the Berkeley County Office of Child Nutrition and Wellness. I know uh, probably around this time last year, we were getting these notes that uh, parents who had not signed up their children for the free and reduced uh, meal plan should do so. And and it kind of was a moot point in some folks' minds because, you know, the, the distributions were already happening curbside. But it became important for the allocation of some of those Federal CARES Act dollars so um, is that still the case? Should folks still be signing up? They should, yes. Yes. And do, does it... Ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. They should still go ahead. If, if they've not already completed the form for the school year, they should still go ahead and do one. Um, just like you mentioned, it, it does count towards federal dollars. Um, and should, you know, things change and... and they need to rely on that, at least it would have it on file, um, and it would already be done. There wouldn't be a, a waiting period. Um, so it's always good to go ahead and be proactive and, and have the forms completed, um, even if they're, they're not sure that they would uh, qualify, but to go ahead and do that. And as of right now, at last year and this year, all the meals are still free uh, for all students, regardless of, of um, income, last year and this year because of, of COVID, and, and, um, and that's across the country. That's not just here in West Virginia. And I know that that has been very helpful 
Um, I know just even for myself and my family, mm. it's, it's, it's been helpful. Um, but even though all the meals are free, it is encouraged that everyone um, fill out those forms because it does help with reimbursement of government funding to our, to our program. Jennifer Miller and Christy Randall are here from the Berkeley County Office of Child Nutrition and Wellness. What else do you want to let the listener know about your efforts? Uh, well, this is Jennifer. Um, we have been working very hard, um, continuing, even though it's it's a little bit back to normal. We, you know, are struggling still with, we said, some supply chain issues, but we're also still struggling with... Um, illness and mm. and staffing just like everybody is across the whole country so our our um great um lunch heroes that work which we have about 170 yes. about 170 employees and across the 32 schools um in our department um are coming in every day and oftentimes working you know, sometimes working shorthanded because we have, you know, illness and staffing issues continuing, and they continue to do a great job and, and get the work done, and um, um, we're, we're, making, we're making it work, just like everybody is, just to make sure we're getting the, the food out to, to the kids. So um, we're doing the best we can, and, and things are getting, I feel like, a little bit yeah. easier as, as the time's going on here. Again, Jennifer Miller and Chrissy Randall from Berkeley County Schools, Child Nutrition and Wellness. Now, I remember lunch was always a big deal for me because I loved going to lunch. I hated being in class, so I always wanted to be uh, in lunch, right? So, uh, And I can still remember, and a quick Amazon search almost got me into a significant amount of debt because one of my go- my f- two favorite lunch meals were always the circle, circular round pizzas, right, yeah. with the little cued pepperonis in them, and the uh, big, huge, like, breaded mozzarella cheese sticks, right? You could only get them at the schools that I were at. They were on the a la carte thing. Uh, if we're talking about normal school lunch, see, Marsha, this is how much I loved it. If we're talking about normal school lunch, it was always the lasagna or mm-hmm. the spaghetti. Give me wow. all of it. Give me all of it. But does Amazon you can find sound it. like a child? So you can find these those <laughs> circular pizzas and the and the mozzarella cheese sticks things on Amazon. But because since they're like a big box thing, mm-hmm. you can only buy them in sets of like a thousand. Oh, yeah. So that almost happened a few times because so, they're uh, probably meant for institutions. Exactly, and not it's your... meant for Berkeley County Schools to be buying them, not <laughs> me in my apartment with a dog just getting ready to You'd eat. Have to a buy another pizzas. freezer. <laughs> I'd have to buy another apartment. I'd have to buy another apartment. But again, Jennifer Miller, and Christy Randall from Berkeley County Schools, Child Nutrition and Wellness. Thank you for taking some time to chat with us today, and thank you for all the hard work you and your employee and you and your staff have done uh, here in the last couple of years. Yes. Thank, thank you. you for having us this morning. Absolutely. Again, right, thank you. Again, that was Jennifer Miller and Christy Randall. What? What are you, you be, like that? You almost became part of their supply chain <laughs> issue. Like some guy, some random guy, is buying up a thousand child pizzas. Well, I was thinking about it one and day. The school systems can't have them. I was thinking about it one day, and I was like, "Let me see if I can't find these." And uh, it was sure significantly easier than I anticipated it. To be. Do you think a thousand pizzas in, you might have scratched that no. itch and is, be if I foundered could, of them? If I could make them, if I could prepare them, which I think all you got to do is heat them up, they're frozen, uh, to where they tasted 
just as good as they did back in the day. I'm going to tell you. I'd have had them done in a month. You can't do it because they're made with lunch lady love. And I, we always had the best lunch ladies too. From so, elementary school through high school, I always had the best lunch ladies. You but can't yeah. imitate that. But if I were able to, that a thousand pack of pizzas would have been gone in a month. Yeah, you would have pizzas in every relative's <laughs> freezer no, in the tri-state. No, no. I would have ate every single uh-huh. one of those pizzas. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. But anyways, uh, Jennifer Miller and Christy Randall of Berkeley County Schools, uh, Child Nutrition and Wellness. Uh, you just missed them. So if you uh, did miss any of that, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today. And they have been, uh, them and their staff have been working, right. you know, burning both ends of the candle during mm-hmm. the pandemic, especially when it was all virtual, like you were saying, Marcia. And, uh, you know, those are pretty important meals. Absolutely. Kids. Yeah, those kids were counting on it. And, and in some instances, of course, we know that's the only hot meal some of those kids yeah. get in a day. And uh, when they were able to put a hot entree in, I remember interviewing the director. They were just over the moon that they were able to, to give the kids that. Absolutely. Because it makes such a big difference. Oh, and I wanted to bring it up too. My favorite breakfast. For school breakfast? Waffles. Was always, no. No, no, no. And I would always ask my teacher, too, when they were getting ready to like pick them up, if I could take a couple more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the graham crackers that were peanut butter and jelly, like sandwiches. Okay. With, with graham crackers, and they were always freezing cold, and it was the best. I literally, I can taste it right now. Have you found those it. on Amazon yet? <laughs> no, but I feel like you could just make those, right? They're just graham cracker, mm-hmm. peanut butter, and jelly sandwiches. I don't know. You, know? you, you got to... They were in like a purple and white wrapper. If anybody that was going to school between 90, what, four, well, 94, no, 90, like six and 2011, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you need to hire a retired lunch lady to try to recreate some of these. Like that would yeah, be a, a niche getting business. getting like a big chef to be like your personal right. chef. Lunch get lady. Get lunch lady. Yeah. You know how nice that would be? That I be I think perfect. that is an untapped business opportunity. That'd be a cool uh, restaurant. What would you, the cafeteria. Lunch lady. Just call it the cafeteria. Lunch ladies. Lunch ladies. And you walk in and it's set up like a school cafeteria. And everyone's wearing the hairnets. And I, you're getting it on that plastic t- uh, tray. With the separations on it. Hey, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we just started this business, Lunch Ladies, Marsha, uh-huh. but I think we got a, a smash hit on our hands. Okay. I think we do. But another thing we have uh, on our hands is our last commercial breaks. So we'll be back here in just a few minutes on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, part of the Panhandle story for 75 years. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full service law firm, serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. Family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit our new historic location, downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at SuttonandJanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. If you missed it, for the break, we had Jennifer Miller and Christy Randall from Berkeley County Schools Child Nutrition and Wellness on talking about uh, the lunch situation in schools right now and what it has been through the pandemic. And uh, towards the end, I brought up school lunch pizzas that I think I'm still obsessed with. And We've gone a down quick the rabbit Google hole. Search, a quick Google search got, ya, got us all the pictures and recipes that we need and I'm 
enthralled. So you could make, there's a recipe for school pizza. And now these aren't the circle ones I was talking about. These are the square, like kind of floppy school mm-hmm. pizzas. They're rectangular ones with like the little sausage in Oh, yeah. And, and the lady that they have pictured is the quintessential school lunch lady. And so I think she's selling that even mm-hmm. more than the actual pizza. Now, this is all you got to hear for the ingredients. Meat, right? Mm-hmm. Half pound of ground chuck, half pound of Italian sausage. Because these are just toppings. Right. Dairy, eight ounces of mozzarella cheese. That's so much mozzarella cheese. Uh, Three-fourths a cup bag. powdered milk. Oh. Man. Yeah. A lot, but it's so good. It's so, so and good. They, do now they I gotta make look their own the crust, too? No, so it's, it doesn't really have a crust. It doesn't really have one. It's just like the pizza is all of it. It's all cheese, all pizza. All encompassing. So now wow. I got to try and find the uh, graham cracker uh, thing. I have to look that later. Wow. But yeah, told you. It's easy. Real easy Google searches to get you all your nostalgia, your school lunch nostalgia. I, I just think you're setting yourself up for... For disappointment because part of the nostalgia is sitting in that lunchroom and having pizza there to brighten your day because you can't go out and get your own pizza. Now you can get any kind of pizza you want to. Like you could roll out of here and be at five different pizza places that have excellent pizza. Well, the worst part of it is when I was in high school, we would get that pizza and we'd eat that pizza. And then when we'd be done class and say we had like a basketball game or something so we had some time in between mm-hmm. we would walk up the street to the pizza shop to eat more pizza and so then it was play pre-pizza yeah it's our, our lunch yeah. was pre-pizza breakfast pizza. it's your breakfast pizza and then you get your normal pizza and then you might even get a slice after the game and you guys ran all those carbs off yeah so we no could do it no if i did that now i'd pass out right. just walking to the pizza <laughs> shop that is not the eating of it but yeah so it sounds nostalgia. like nostalgia. Do you have what was your? Do you remember a favorite school lunch? I, I've told this before. We, you know, I went to a very small little elementary school, little public elementary school, and our lunch ladies made peanut butter bonbons, like peanut Buckeyes. Bon- oh, I gotcha. So that was my favorite thing that they made. But the the other thing about being at a small school is like all the custodians and the lunch ladies knew your parents mm-hmm. and um one of the things that they would do is they would make you finish your meal before you went out to play and so i remember like like you had to finish a couple things on your plate and i right. remember my best friend and i decided we just put everything into one little section on the tray to make it look like we'd eaten more than we had <laughs> they made us eat it <laughs> Because oh, and there's the mozzarella sticks I was talking uh-huh. about. Oh wow, those are huge. So yeah, like um, they they could make you they could delay your happiness if you did not eat all of the stuff on your plate. Wow, well yeah. that's kind of brutal. Because they could they could call your mom or your oh, dad man. and go like, hey, that's true. You know. Mm, but now I should have never uh, Google searched 2000s school lunches because mm-hmm. now I'm seeing all kinds of like these grilled cheeses in a bag. Oh wow! Look disgusting, and sometimes they were a little soggy, depending on how long <laughs> how long they were in the uh, the heat lamp the for. Those are great. Here's the spaghetti I was talking about. Looks mm-hmm. disgusting, but oh my you know gosh, what? It's there's so nothing good. like school spaghetti. Oh, so good. Corn dogs down. I'll oh do yeah, that. I would do corn dogs. Do sure. corn dog. The little mini uh, pancakes. Little pancakes. Man, and I remember in elementary school especially. Uh, oh goodness, we're about done. Well, <laughs> 
Okay. Anyways, <laughs> no more school lunch talk because we have to get out of here. Have you missed any of this uh, Panhandle Live today? You can listen back to it over on our Panhandle Live Facebook and Spotify pages. But for Marcia Kavalik, I'm Jordan Icewater. This has been Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. I'm going to go get something to eat. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.